Hey everybody, welcome back to the Codex West podcast. This is episode 6C. Um, earlier this week we talked about, uh, 6A was Cuphead, right? No, it was, it was, no, it was Blade, Blade Runner. Runner. Blade Runner, right. right. And then, <laughs> and then uh, 6B was, uh, we talked about the, the Broking Paper. Um, so today we are going to talk about, uh, sorry, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. As always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Mark Weevil and Johnny Paglino. Say hi, guys. What's up? What's what up? up? Um, so today we're going to be talking about uh, humor, um, like sort of the, the philosophical <laughs> elements of humor, a history of humor. Um, and this all kind of this all kind of started um, in a in a funny way a couple of weeks ago. Um, for for the listeners that that don't know, uh, I recently discovered that I'm a Jew, so I'm wait, not going to give like, that any discovered? context. Wait, you discovered? I'll explain later. But, uh, <laughs> you went on that show. Private, find your that's, roots. A, that's a private thing to talk about. Like, <laughs> He's a distant cousin to Bernie Sanders. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I went to a, uh, I, I drove to Denver a couple weeks ago to go to a, a Yom Kippur ceremony. Um, it, and for anyone that has not celebrated Yom Kippur, it's basically eight hours of like being on your feet and praying. It makes like the Catholic understanding of guilt look uh, like kiddie school. What's, what's the, what's the saying? <laughs> that's good. No, that's the saying. Yeah, little league chew. Guilt, yeah, the saying is it makes you look like kiddie school. That's not little beginner shit, dude. Chew. That's some yeah. early shit. Yeah, I got it. Um, but there's a there's a set of prayers uh, called the Vidui that happen in the middle of the service, um, and they're they're prayers of atonement because Yom Kippur is all about <laughs> repenting for all of your sins and how you're a subhuman monster. Um, so, but one of the one of the prayers in the Vidui, um, you repent for the overuse of humor to deal with like serious <laughs> situations. So, like, uh, <laughs> what? Really? Yeah, no, it's like a, it's like a grievous sin to uh, to use like not to not to use humor to like. Um, uh, what's so like something tragic happens like your immediate instinct shouldn't be to like not deal with it and instead you know make jokes about it so like the torah what? is like the That's first amazing. place in history that we see uh you know too soon bro <laughs> that's funny that that's like an actual element of the jewish religion when you yeah say, and like, it, you associate jewish culture so much with like you know um like, like know, self-deprecating com- yeah, humor self-deprecating and, self-deprecating yeah, yeah. comedy and using comedy to lighten situations. It's so, so I did, I did a little bit more research and it, it turns out that like uh, the Torah clearly states at, that like certain, so the whole Jewish month of Adar, which is like approximately March, um, Jews are praised for increasing their joy. So you, it's like a month of mirth and joy and laughter, but the Torah also states that, um, like hurtful and frivolous laughter, like sarcasm, mockery, and degradation are unacceptable forms. Like they're they're also grievous sins. What? Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is very funny. You're telling me a religion is confused with itself? No, no, no. It's, <laughs> it's saying that like no laughter, way. <laughs> laughter yeah, I know. The, I know. Laughter yeah. for the purposes of joy is good, and laughter for the purposes of like insult is is. Bad. That's actually. Oh, yeah, yes, uh, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually like interesting. Just as we'll go over, yeah. And I figure um, you, you, Johnny's going to touch on the the whole history of like the philosophy of humor. But all of that just made me want to ask, like, what the value of humor is, um, when it's good for us, when it's bad for us, when it maybe prevents us from growing or adequately dealing with the problems that we face in our lives. So um, I'm going to let Johnny uh, take point on this one because uh, I, I know he's got a bunch of statements prepared, and then we're just going to kind of have a more free form discussion about this. Yeah. Um... So I think to answer those questions that you want to ask, Jacob, it's the reason why I want to look at the history of the philosophy of humor is to get a better sense of um, uh, basically just like what the 
conception of humor has been historically um and that way you can kind of under like you get a better sense with like any philosophical topic um when you look at the history you get a better sense of like how we've progressed and like our conception (coughs) your own philosophical like leanings um, are yeah compared to totally yeah where we are in history so um it's funny because yes history starts off when we look at the begin like basically philosophy has been uh really unkind to humor um which is you know always struck me as interesting because humor seems to have these you know it as a theoretical concept like why we find anything humorous from language it seems like there has to be something that's happening at the form of language that mm-hmm. is emergent that yeah, makes yeah, us yeah. humor and that's like always like a good kind of subject for philosophy that's also like it, a, that's also like a neo like analytical perspective on it like i can understand why like plato didn't get funny jokes do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I say Plato. Yeah, that's where we start off with yeah. is that um, from, you know, like uh, when we think about the history of philosophy, and this is philosophy too with like a capital P, which is like the Western tradition. Um, that's like the academic way of thinking of these things. Yeah, because it's sort of like, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just hadn't it, heard that yeah. before. I'm going to read about it Oh, later. yeah, I people will be that. like, you can philosophize anything. Yeah, but I, it's I like, Yeah, we're talking about totally. like the history of like uh, philosophy, like the P, discipline. Philo- yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. So um, Plato has something to say, which he thinks that, you know, basically, like, he outlines it in The Republic that um, humor is bad. Like, comedy is bad um, because of its um, satirical elements. This is what's sort of um, what started the basis of what we now know as superiority theory, which is that humor is essentially malicious, right? Because it has to do with social standing. You only laugh at people who are lower than you if you want to take this into like the modern context something that maybe you've experienced is um self-deprecation right like let's say you see a stand-up performing mm-hmm. a piece where he's just talking about how fat he is or something like <coughs> um superiority theory would say that oh it's funny because i'm laughing at him because he has a um like a social characteristic that makes him of a lower station than me or something yeah, right. right um and so like in the republic you know like as Plato's like designing or like explaining um, what would be the best um, government system or like just social system, uh, humor just can't be involved because we're trying to um, like. I mean, it's not like a. Re- I don't really love the Republic, so I don't really <laughs> like. I'm not trying to like f- like make this seem like he's confused. It's, no, but it's it's a he, historical respect. This is important. to, yeah, to what we're yeah. trying, right. trying to get at. Um, the reason why it's ridiculous is because, um, Plato's basically saying that, like, there's some quote where, so it's, you know, he says, most people enjoy amusement and just, or actually this is Aristotle, sorry, in the Nicomachean ethics, uh, most people enjoy amusement and jesting more than they should, a jest is a kind of mockery, and lawgivers forbid some kinds of mockery, perhaps they ought to have forbidden some kinds of jesting. Which is like, you know, we kind of take that lesson now with like libel laws yeah. and things like that. Totally. Um, but <laughs> uh, Plato also says that only slaves should be able to make jokes. <laughs> so like, you can already see where this like ideology is just so profoundly confused itself. What? Yeah, that's really yeah. though. But if, you know, this is sort of, um, I just want to, I want to put a, um, just like, 
I want to come back to this idea of superiority theory when we talk later. Um, the idea is that with superiority theory, um, it's if sub, if you if you are making a joke about someone that could be construed to be in a lower situation than you, then it is necessarily mockery. Right. It is something that um, political correctness advocates um, would advocate. <laughs> um, that's sort of like a basis of that. Um, that line of thinking. Exactly. Yeah. And that's something I want to come back to because as we progress through out of this sort of like really primitive notion of comedy, we'll see how maybe the basis for these sorts of things are they're not exactly like useless but um like you can't actually view comedy just like that reductively um because after we get through like you know and this goes on forever man like hobbes is like you know says you know because it's like a hobbesian sort of theory is like all about like you know greed and like you know people are just selfish so like his humor will be like that descartes is also so religious that you know everything is um, going to be just uh, like hurting each other and we shouldn't have any laughter at all. <laughs> so, um, from there though, like once we get to the 18th century, we finally get to um, some more interesting views of comedy. The first one is, um, this is something that's a little more psychological, but like ev- you had even, um, you know, some philosophers sort of subscribing to this, which is, it's called the relief theory. Yeah. Which is that basically, like, um, when you think about, about like, bio, like I guess, uh, like, it's like a biological view. Like, let's say you get angry, right? It's usually you have some pent-up energy about some event, and then you just uh, release your energy, and that's what anger is. Yeah. Um, if you get, you know, if you start crying because you got hurt, you know, you're, you know, you hurt your leg or something. Um, when you're crying, that's like a release of like energy that was pent up from the physical pain that you got. And it's like an expression. People's, um, the idea we had like Freud and Spencer, what they were saying is that, um, the same thing, the same mechanism is happening with laughter, um, or comedy. And, but what laughter is, it's the release of the pent up energy of like, um, something that is found to be inappropriate. So um, let's say like you, th- there's this one joke that um, uh, this guy uh, Harry Graham was using to kind of like um, illuminate this theory, which is that like, <laughs> all right, so the, it, I, I don't think this is very funny, but it does <laughs> kind of prove the point. <laughs> where it's like it's a poem where it goes, I had written to Aunt Maud who was on a trip abroad when I heard she died of cramp. Just too late to save the stamp, which is like basically what's happening in that. Like it's like you can see how it's like at least an attempt at being funny. Sure, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, yeah, which the idea is that um, you're feeling all this pity for this person because <laughs> they were, you know, you hear that she had died of cramp, and then you realize the guy doesn't give a shit. About <laughs> he just wanted mod. to save yeah. the money. <laughs> yeah. So then that is like a relief, like what you all this pity you were feeling of him once he found it was actually inappropriate to feel pity for this guy. Um, you like it releases laughter because that's the pent up energy. The thing is, is though, like, um, what's wrong with that theory is, you know, just because that doesn't explain that doesn't give the whole picture by any means. Yeah, like, there are times where you can look at a joke and see that it's funny, con- like conceptually, but like you don't have any energy at all. Like, you didn't save it. You know, you know, there was no like. Um, there's this one joke that. You- <laughs> 
I'm actually not going to go over that because it's ridiculous. But, um, like, you don't have to feel anything to find anything humorous. So the idea of, like, energy being something that's essential, it just, it almost, it just feels old, like a, like a antiquated, an antiquated theory. Idea. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't have to, you know, there's just nothing, you don't have to actually engage, like, let's say if you're a comic, right? Or anyone who's writing a joke, um, you can, you're not, you, you know, like, if I'm sitting in my bedroom writing a joke for my stand-up, like a lot of times I'm not going to be laughing to myself or like, you know, like pen, like saving up energy, but like, yeah. I'll be like, Oh, that's funny. That mm-hmm. is humorous. Um, so it doesn't really actually like, you know, it, it sort of makes sense, but you also don't like doesn't consciously really... participate with jokes like that, even when you hear them. Right. So like, right. Even if this is happening, let's say that that might be like the way that many jokes are constructed. Right. But as you said, yeah, that doesn't tell the whole story. But the idea is, like, even when you hear a joke in that form, that's not what, like, the conscious audience um, experience is for those jokes. It's not like you feel pity and then feel the relief of pity, for example, right? What that seems to describe to me is more of, like, the form of a joke, like a kind of a joke in many ways, right? I would say that's totally. like a possible emotional connection you can have with a joke, but not a necessary or not a necessary one. Even right. sufficient. It's not like or, a, yeah, like it, it isn't like a theory <coughs> of humor. It's a theory of like a type of humor. Yeah, Experience, Yeah, because like, because um, so, you said Mark, it was like a kind of like you might think of it as a form of a joke. Yeah. But that's what I would say is um, what the next theory is, which is like what most people, which what sort of has like. Um, the holding right now which is incongruity yeah, theory absolutely. theory which is a theoretical um look at jokes right or humor which is it's it's pretty simple it's what we you know um like even cicero long ago said that the most common kind of joke is that in which we expect one thing and another is said here our own disappointed expectation makes us laugh this is like what you everyone kind of knows is like the um, twists in expectations. Yeah, subversive expectations seems to be like the predominant form of. That's what I think of when I think of like what's funny today. Right, and you can think of that. You know, like you might the the difference between like it might sound like relief theory is also talking about that, but with that's more it's it's explaining something emotional. It's something that's like physiological. Um, that there has to be energy. Yeah, absolutely. Which is just like already an ambiguous term, so like it's easy to like defeat. This at least tries to make that turn into something that is theoretical and linguistic that we can look at and recognize as humorous without actually having to have any emotional connection to the humor. And that's interesting because like comedy makes us laugh, which is a physiological response, yeah. but it's not um, necessary to um, engage in humorous practice. Right, like yeah, well, something but, can well, be humorous also, without. The thing is that, like, what's actually funny is you kind of hit on something when you talk about the the physiological construction of what we think of as humor. We we you have immediately have to talk about laughter, but like laughter and humor are separate from one another. It's just sure, that they happen totally to overlap uh, in a very um, significant way in what we yeah. experience is, as laughing at humor. But like you know. Look at like classical painting. There are like all these like, you know, like references in literature and in art to like laughing as being a celebratory revelry rather than like something humorous. Do you know what I mean? 
and I totally, think that, yeah. yeah, and I think that that's I think that's an yeah. interesting way to point out the fact that like laughter, if laughter and humor are different, then a physiological construction of humor alone may not actually identify what humor is because it's more of a description of what makes us laugh in a certain way. I guess is the point that I'm making. Yeah, actually, that uh, that comes into the next part of the equation, which is that. Um, so if humor and laughter are different, what's the story? Mm-hmm. And um, there's like an evolutionary story we can look at for this. Um, like, okay, so dogs play, right? Because um, it's good for their sociability. It's good to exercise. Um, like uh, behaviors that are important to survival, even if you yeah, don't and like productive behaviors, good, at that behaviors good behaviors, behaviors productive, that, yeah, right, exactly. right. Um, so like when we weren't modern creatures, like we also played for those reasons, um, and we still do now. It's just like we don't actually need to like exercise those um, evolutionary uh, behaviors for survival, but they are essential to us. You know, we've outgrown those behaviors before we've had a chance to like eliminate them. Right. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. I so, think we touched so, on this a little bit in the anger episode. Yes, exactly. So humor like exists in this level too, where um, the reason why like uh, we laugh is because um, it was a, the oldest play signal for humans are smiling and laughing yeah. in terms of social, yeah, 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 like that's just sure. like the evolution. So, um, because play signal, a, by the way, play signal is like a term of art in this, like in like social theory, right? Like, a, yeah, yeah, like exactly. um, if uh, like for instance, I, I I've just read about this with dogs because I have a dog for sure, and I want to yeah, know more absolutely. about. It. But like, um, you know, if like a, one dog is like um, he he rushes to the ground or like you know he stoops to the ground, um, that's a play signal that he wants to be like the submissive one, mm-hmm. right? So that's what you would think of like a play signal with like people like smiling and laughing was a way of describing what you wanted to do and play like a way of establishing the rules of exercising those evolutionary behaviors. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've, we've kept that while not needing to exactly exercise those for survival anymore. Totally. Um, So when we find, this is sort of, I guess, where I want to start like getting out of this and more into our own experiences because um, when the, I think what ends up being is like when we find something humorous, there is a level where we can sort of like understand or we could sort of analyze what humor is, but there's also an element that's just like so biological um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's not connected to like the reasons why we find something or like our the evolutionary um reaction to humor is just like almost not in our control in some ways well actually because yeah go on sorry finish your thought oh no no you go okay so when you were just saying about the evolutionary quality of humor right the um the Mm. thing that i would have kind of extended there you know you were saying oh maybe the um maybe we've outgrown humor from an evolutionary perspective but the truth of the matter is that humor is a huge part of reproduction in modern humans, right? Sure, that makes oh, sense. Right? Yeah. That's so true. And, and That's so, so the true. idea is that, like, I, I when I was when I was looking at stuff for this, I saw uh, I saw something that said like ninety percent of men say that humor is important in a partner, and eighty one or eighty two percent of women say so, right? 
which is actually the opposite direction that I thought than I thought it was. Yeah, but, um, I, which is <laughs> yeah. surprising. But the thing is that what that told me what are two things about that. Number one, it seems like there would still be an evolutionary component to humor, which is it's like a peacock ritual. It's attracting a mate, right? But the completely, thing, yeah, right. And and I mean. Hey, that's like one of the reasons why like I found myself being funny when I was younger was because I was like trying to be cool and attractive, right? But then um, if you think about the other side of this is that so 90% of men, 80% of women say that it's important to have humor in a mate. But we kind of talk about people being funny as being rare, right? And yeah, I think that that's, like, a, yeah. that's interesting that everybody – exa- exactly. But so that made me think about something grander, which is that everybody wants to find somebody that's funny or even says that it's like essential to finding a reproductive mate is to find somebody that's funny. Mm-hmm. But we kind of commoditize funny in the way that it's rare. Like there are – you know, like humorous people or funny people are like not uh, – not everyone is funny. But – the other idea is that there are people who find each other funny who nobody else finds it funny or something like that. Yes. So then <laughs> I, I think, think that's about, really good. Yeah. And it's so I thought that was a really good question. I'm not I'm not exactly sure what point I'm getting at with that, but I wanted to point out this like complicated web of everybody wanting somebody humorous, everybody thinking that humor is rare, everybody not being funny, but somehow everybody is funny to someone. I think that that's really <laughs> strange. Right? No, I think um, I think it's because of well, this is what makes humor I think like special in a way, and I could be wrong, mm-hmm. but um, okay, you know if you like when you like let's say you're like you know you want to look for so, like a mate like we're talking about, mm-hmm. and you're like I want someone who can cook, like. You're not asking, I want someone who can get me food. (laughs) Right. This is a a really great, there's like a really great metaphor for it. I love it. Yeah, go on. Yeah. (laughs) You're looking for someone who's like good at cooking, right? Right. um, The capacity (laughs) to create flavor in the same way that like you're looking for somebody, you ask for somebody funny, you want somebody with the capacity to create great laughter, not like who occasionally has like a quip. (laughs) <laughs> or so or so you think i you know yeah, because sure, and yeah. my yeah because um there's a lot of people like so humor has you know it has a social purpose like what we're talking about um i when i want someone who makes me laugh it's more like i want someone who isn't completely like antagonistic to a sense of humor right like yeah. you don't have to be like a funny person but you have to be someone who literally will laugh. What was the right? thing that yeah. Chapman said? Chapman said the funny, Jacob, you're going to love this, but uh, our, our friend Chapman, while we were in Amsterdam, said about Johnny and I, you guys laugh a lot, but you're really not very funny. And I thought that was so great. I'm not going to worry. It's also a great way of describing the way that our friendship works, right? It's a whole lot of laughter yeah. and not a yeah. lot of content. You know, <laughs> <Really>? like, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I, living with Johnny is like, we're, we're laughing nonstop and I stop for a second and think about why we're laughing. And it's like, you know, like 10 minutes ago, someone was like, Hoomstedevil ate my ass while I wasn't looking. Like, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Yeah, just out of nowhere, something completely insane. Yeah, right. You just gotta tell, so, like, out. you know. But that's because, like, it's a like a, a social sign, right? But yeah. we can also take things that are like essential to our evolutionary makeup and then make them into art, right? Sure. Um, something that brings us to a new level. Um, 
So, like, if you're looking for, you know, when, you know, what you really want is someone who can laugh at, you know, who has a sense of humor because that means they're a sociable person. Oh, that, way, and that, know, isn't that it would interesting? Be, isn't there a difference between having a sense of humor and being funny? Right? Yeah, right. That's, so that's like, another side of things, right? Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. And senses of humor are just Ooh. as varied as, like, yeah. any sociable characteristic. But um, the one, you know, humor is just one of these elements that can be elevated to an art because it can... Um, have formal elements it can that like are pleasing there can be a competence to humor i'm thinking of stand-up right now as like Mm -hmm. the ultimate comedic or purely comedic art yeah Yeah, i think like writing writing jokes for like writing a stand-up routine is is a very very difficult form of performance art and but it's it's also like the most distilled comedic form yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean. Yeah, totally. it's a still because like you watch a funny movie, but they're like thing. You know, yeah, there's always going to mm-hmm. be artifices that are cinematic, right? Are not and comedic, those don't exist, in, or except in like prop comedy, which is not funny. <laughs> which is which, <laughs> which yeah, isn't yeah, actually that, comedy. Yeah. It's not comedy. Yeah. It's just it's uh, has a lot of pathos, but you know, <laughs> yeah, no not humor. a lot of anything else. <laughs> you know, right? So I was um. I want to. This is where I kind of want to bring back political correctness and what I think is wrong with, like, um, theoretically with political correctness. Mm. And you will forgive me because I, like, I was just reading a book today and that idea came to me. So if this isn't like totally eloquent, like, you can, you know, <laughs> don't, don't don't roast me. <laughs> but so I was reading about. Um, I'm reading about like avant garde right now, mm-hmm. and. Um, it, I was reading like a, a feminist and she, or I guess he was actually, unless he was talking about how um, one of the signs of modernity is, uh, or like what, like f- what is interesting about modernity, modernity from a, like a feminist perspective is that um, there are times when art like is um, taking perspective like patriarchal perspective seriously even if they don't realize it so like all right let's say you have like a like let's say you have like matisse right he loved to draw nudes of women right Mm -hmm. um but like this was like a patriarchal society so you have men who are making art for men right that's like the basic feminist like critique right but there's a yeah, yeah but there's another one that's really illuminated by visual art and paintings, which is that um, not only is it a male artist making a uh, painting for a male sensibility, but the supposed perspective in the painting is also from a male gaze. Yeah, you see this a lot. Like you know, I mean, it's this like, is like a film uh, critique in many ways now. Like it, like I would. This, I was gonna make something about film how it's not as easy. Okay, because like with with paintings, right, like. One way we know it's like a lot of times that like the perspective itself mm-hmm. has like um like is is male in a way yeah. is because you'll have things like open doors mm-hmm. or like um reflections of like a person watching that would like come from that perspective where you know that this is a scene where um like a, a man is like the person looking at this woman right so like we already like. With the problem with film is that like no one, you, it's impossible really to like imagine that there's a guy watching a movie. The movie happen because the camera changes so much. Mm-hmm. The, you know, like that's like 
what makes it modern is that we like what film is like essentially modern in that way because of the way uh perspective the is constantly is changing the camera so, like, has yeah no there's biases. no there's no pretense with a camera it's just like we know it's a camera and we just suspend oh, their disbelief there oh, but with that, a painting I, I, you can imagine it's like I a guy watching buy, yeah i actually buy into that that makes sense and that's why like representation um that's like why expressionism um becomes such a thing because it's literally annihilating that um assumed invisible perspective mm-hmm. right because it's like we're we're already destroying represent like nature natural representation um, so like, you know, if you, you're looking at like a Pollock or something like there's like no, there's no, there, there's, pretense yeah, exactly. to, there's no perspective that pretense extent, doesn't, you know, right. Yeah. Um, I think that explains that point enough. How that connects to humor is that, um, like when you're te- like, imagine like the jokes that we get told, right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, racist jokes from like, you know, like times where like we weren't. Yeah, um, I mean, you only have to look as racially far as, like, conscious. A menstrual show to see how humor can be damaging. Yeah, that. Yeah, I want to. I'm trying to bring it to this point though, which is that which would be a menstrual show, I guess. But like, um, say you make a joke about like Polish people or something, right? Mm-hmm. In the like 1920s, um, the that perspective of the joke being told is is like to, is a completely equatable with the person receiving the joke right because it was a racist joke mm-hmm. um but now right like we are conscious enough to realize that like we have a racial consciousness that is much more advanced than those jokes and this isn't to say that like people aren't like making racist jokes um, out of, out of, to like, other yeah. races yeah in bad but faith, like yeah. if yeah, yeah if jacob tells me a racist joke right mm-hmm. He's telling it with me with the understanding that I do not like that I am aware enough that the assumed perspective, but that is who like the person that is being assumed that is be- the joke is being told to, yeah, is a racist. And so he's telling the reason why it's humorous is that he would be telling me a joke as if I was a racist, right? As if it and was so a racist he's, being to another race. We're adopting two personas for the purpose of the joke. Right, and that is because we're like modern people. We're yeah. like we understand that post there's an everything. artifice to yeah, the post everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I I bring all this up because one, I think like like you can't just shoo away all humor, even if it's like edgy. There's like a va- there's like an aesthetic value to edginess, so long as like the actors are acting in good faith yes. or at least yeah, like, I, I like ed- that terminology for that right like yeah, yeah you can faith, you right? can make you can make <coughs> edgy taboo jokes in an ethical way you just have to be very conscious of your audience especially your audience and what you're doing mm-hmm. but these things are valuable if only to highlight the absurdity but you just have to know how to look at where the absurdity right, lies yeah. and i don't think a lot of people talk about that um this is what stand-up does a lot right like, like yeah exactly this, um if you have like um anthony jessel there's another way of doing this without getting <laughs> yeah. right yeah anthony yeah that's anthony jesselnick is great because he's dark yeah um but what he's doing you know is he's assuming that you are going to take him like the the artifice is that you're going to take him in good faith where like if you are like an intelligent like what makes him good is that he, it requires intelligence to separate him it's like colbert 
For sure. Like the way that, you know, that. Well, that also, like, <laughs> it, like, the other thing is that now you're bringing into the concept of, like, character, right? So, like, when you talk about. Well, this culture, is. Less, yeah. yeah. You, can, you can finish that off for sure. That, oh, yeah. That's, like, the explosion of, like, modern um, comedy, in my view, is that we can um, start making. F- using that layer of like who's the assumed audience versus like who's the actual audience Mm -hmm. in terms of artifice joke artifice that we can start really exploring um like the depths of irony or satire um but there's other ways of thinking about it too like i I imagine like when we watch louis ck right like he's very um self-deprecative right yeah yeah but that you know like a superiority theory theorist would be like oh it's because he's like you know lowering his station and that's why it's funny i disagree i think what's funny about um self-deprecation is when um the art you know that assumed audience is that you would understand that self-deprecation because you're just as deprecative right yeah absolutely right 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 so it's not that like oh we're laughing at this guy it's It's like like you're laughing at your mutual self-loathing and, Precisely. And, and also, what's actually crazy is that often when I, if I find myself laughing at something, I'm laughing upward. I'm laughing at the right. government. I'm laughing at the like the rich or banks or something like that. Like that's like a whole other. Do you see element what I'm saying? I don't so think that, we've even so gone over. Yeah. Of like self-deprecation as being like reflective, and you participate, like you as the assumed audience, understanding because you participate in the same kind of like ritualistic deprecation of your own self that the laughing at the kind of like superiority theory is actually kind of flipped upside down in when we were talking about superiority theory i kept thinking about the ideas but isn't that like backwards for the way that it works in modern uh comedy like if you're laughing at something very often you're laughing up it is like not about like to laugh down at someone is to is like not well, I think that thing, part of that is I mean? that we're like this is one of the first times in human history where we're afforded the ability to laugh at aristocracy without being like hanged. So <laughs> I mean, maybe, that's, maybe that's true. Maybe it's because it's actually like a modern construction of like actually being able to express those things without being censored or something yeah. like that. But there's yeah. actually a way that I can bring this back to the um, that moment in art history mm-hmm. that I was talking about totally. is because um, annihilating or like. So, like, um, you know, if you're, like, an abstract artist, you're trying to annihilate that perspective. But um, if you are, um, like, a surrealist or a Dada's, you're not trying to annihilate it. You're trying to um, enunciate it. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And because they were political movements, Mm -hmm. um, what they were trying to do was enunciate that assumed perspective so as to critique the cultural tastes of the, uh, the bougie class. Yeah. So it was in a way um like a pol- it was a way of like seizing power from the power class. Yes. And that's okay, interesting, a way sure. of bringing that back into humor, which is that when we, you know, we're making we're essentially, you know, because we're in our capacity like if we're using humor as a tool to undermine power or authority, that's a way of like using its art artistic capabilities to um reclaim power hmm okay um so right, that, well, I, but that, i think that brings us back to superiority theory right because then we're if we're assuming that the, the absurdities of the people in power actually 
make them inferior? Well, um, no, I think you have if you're going to like if you're trying to dismantle something, you have like if you're trying to dismantle power, you have to concede that they have more power than you, and then that wouldn't really jive with superiority theory because totally reasonable, yeah, yeah. But um, it is it it it's an interesting way of like um illuminating why power is such a compli- it, it doesn't seem like a complicated subject but there's so many ways it's, in which it's actually, power yeah, relationships can be misconstrued mm-hmm. right yeah so um it can be you know this is why like you know i think you know there are some it is possible for jokes to be told in bad ways and for them to propagate bad stereotypes so it's not like i'm completely against political correctness or i'm completely against like well we'll just say that it's not like i'm completely against it but it, there's a way in which it what it's common sense that it goes too far right oh and yeah, it's obviously. not be, and and i think if you're you know there's one ethical perspective that's like you think it goes too far because um you're not challenging your own norms enough right i just disagree i think it's because it goes too far sometimes because it's just a misunderstanding of the many ways in which something can be humorous and ethical, even if it has the, you know, it looks as if it's unethical. Well, so what I think what you're specifically describing is like political correctness as applied to humor makes no sense, right? I think that like many of us can agree on that. Like, what was it? Bill Maher made that joke and everybody got really angry at him, right? When he said the N word. That's just Bill Maher. <laughs> no, no, no. no. But, I, but what I mean to uh, say is. There was some. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. But he's always. Yeah, like, he always does. He's controversial of, for this reason. But I the feel thing like. is that, like, for me, it's it, like the way I've always thought about it is that, like, you can't. Like, comedy, comedy is a safe space to say anything <laughs> that is absolutely politically incorrect. You know what I mean? That's like kind of the point of the whole modern stand up movement in so many ways, right? I but, think this. That brings us back to to what the Torah says of oh, man, when, when, there we're, you go. when we're when we're using when we're using humor oh, to to um, like uh, to remove the gravity of a situation. Maybe some things actually need to be treated with solemnity. Is there like a case to be made for that? Um, solemnity. I don't know. You know, like uh, I, the first thing that comes to mind is like gallow humor, right? Yeah, like yeah, we shouldn't yeah. take that away from soldiers. Or people in like grievous situations, um, but but let's like, let's let, let's talk about like the classic example of like the the most like American example of too soon, bro. Which is there are some people that still like cringe at nine eleven jokes. Why yeah. is that? Like why it's not it's not necessarily because like they don't have a sense no. Of they humor, just think that like you know? the, the subject is taboo for some reason, right? But I think it's right. also that like. I mean, that also that also is relating to the question about assumed audience, right? But the yeah. idea is that, like, when you start talking about, like, particular topics being off-limits, you're talking about particular topics being off-limits for the tastes of particular people. And then the idea is what happens often in, when we talk about political correctness is people with particular tastes of appropriateness projecting those yeah. and trying to have them assumed yeah, by everybody sure. else, right? It's so hard it's, that's directly it's related like to the too soon thing. I think it's like perfectly all right to be offended by a joke in the sense that like it's you're not wrong for thinking that joke is distasteful or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, that's no, not no, exactly totally. what I'm getting at. It's that the idea that like you trying to say that 
not only am I wrong for finding it funny because I shouldn't find it funny, but I'm also like morally wrong for thinking it's funny and the person telling it is morally. That's a more complicated issue that I have like no relationship to. I have no idea. Like that's a really good way of, Right, I think that that's I, there's the no issue. problem with being offended. It's you trying to tell me that I have to be offended too. Right, that you're like morally deficient because exactly because I'm yeah. not offended. Right, um, and I and it's it's funny that you brought up 9/11 jokes because it's so funny. Like you know, my family's from New York, and I remember having this thought uh-huh. when I was a kid while we were living in Florida of like everybody be in Florida being really sensitive about 9/11, and nobody knows anybody in New York, right? And like well, my family, like every was other person in Florida and is a New York so Jew. Funny. So. Yeah, exactly. No, but I just always thought that was really like strange. And so I, when you pointed out that, I thought it was like, yeah, there are people who are still sensitive about that for no apparent reason. Yeah, you know it's like they I mean? have no relationship like, yeah. to it. It's not like they lost anybody, you know? It's just yeah, like... exactly. So I'm trying to think. Okay, so like a very typical way I want to think about being offended is that um, if you're being offended, you, you need to look inwards at why it's offending you. And then if your reasons are... They, if they're not just tied to like you being like like really easily like pained mm-hmm. um then maybe there's a basis for it but like you know i think for a lot of people they get one there's like pseudo outrage because yeah. it makes you but um i think too um sometimes i'm hurt by jokes but i like i become better by really looking inwards and like why am i offended oh it's because i value my ego in this department too much and like you know that's not a good way of being you know like if something hurts you there's a way in which like you should look into for that yeah for sure yeah there so the way like humor would be bad is that if it's propagating stereotypes that are like used to suppress people right but like many times the way we're offended that is like never the case right Mm -hmm. you really being like it's about someone like unearthing some part of you that's like touchy for you and that is an opportunity to To recognize that and 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 get better Yeah, yeah so yeah i try to make you know like sometimes i have to like take a moment um when i get made fun of or something to be like okay like let me just like let that emotion slide and let me just get over the emotionality of it and then like once that's done i can really think about why that like was hurtful and i realize okay that's the way i just like need to change my perspective of myself and that's a that's always like a sign of improvement yeah in my mind mm-hmm. i totally that's another thing that i want to talk i want to get into the the intimate aspects of humor in uh in what ways I, I think that humor is really valuable in interpersonal relationships because it opens doors that are otherwise very difficult to breach. So like, um, I'm trying to That's think of true, a, yeah. a good example of like, like you have a, a friend that has like a, some kind of like serious problem that they're dealing with or like, uh, try, uh, let's say you have a friend that's like, uh, they're always like dating shitty people. Like they just, it's the mm-hmm. same like habitual pattern of like, they're dating the same kind of person always a shitter the the they're making the same mistakes over and over again it's hard to like once you've broached that subject in a serious way and they haven't listened at some point maybe it becomes appropriate to just like roast them mercilessly (laughs) understand that like their problem isn't even a problem it's just comedy at that point (coughs) fucking stupid yeah true (coughs) 
But like in a, <coughs> can you guys think of any other ways, like like personally, where humor has helped you deal with like a sort of a touchy situation like that? Because I, I, the philosophy segment for me is always it's always about bringing back to practical ways in which these can be applied in people's lives, the listeners' lives. Um. I mean, you know, I had a drug problem, and when people talked to me seriously about it, I didn't care, but when people made jokes about it, yeah, yeah, it was easier for me to realize, like, oh, it's just funny. Like, I'm just a joke. That was a lot easier way for me to realize I need to get my shit straight. I'm a meme. What? Yeah, I'm a meme. I'm a living meme. Yeah, exactly. Because I think with you know, if you're getting made fun of, what's sort of weird about it is that you're being objectified. Yeah, and what you know because you're being you're an object in the joke. Yeah, Yeah, you're not not really being talked about like you're present. It's like it's not just at your expense, but like. At the cost of your humanity. (laughs) Yeah. And so, like, you know, like, it's a problem for women when they're objectified sexually in certain ways because it's like, oh, it's like, you know, you just want to, you know, you're not treating me as a person uh, and I want to be treated as a person. Right. With That's what's happening, I think, when humor can be, uh, you know, hurtful, but it could be hurtful in a good way in this case because, like, you're being treated as an object and you're like, well, why... <laughs> you realize yeah. it's because well, like, like you're like you're not like performing in a way that's like a like not it, it makes you you know like you're a person but then you get objectified mm-hmm. because this behavior is so ridiculous but I also and then you're like oh yeah. okay i'm not acting like a person and so it's stupid. Good, you know it's yeah. like i don't know i could use better words but, but no, I, no, no, yeah, I, I could also say though it's like you know um i don't like i don't go out and roast random people that i meet on a regular basis right like i have to like i i you know i make jokes about johnny or about you right jacob and or like you know about my friends people i'm comfortable with i make jokes about my dad like i haven't said happy birthday to my dad in like 10 years what i do is i send him a text message like wait a second you know like you 154 now you know jokes like that (laughs) like really dumb little like dad happy birthday totally yeah yeah right you know what i mean i like I, that's that's what I do with my dad, and he loves him, right? But the thing is that that's only because he and I are comfortable. Like, I wouldn't just go out and – like, if I'm not making jokes at someone else's expense, it's because I'm, like, not comfortable enough to do that, right? Totally. And I think that, yeah, like, it's definitely not always often, useful. <laughs> when people make jokes at, like, my expense in like, a, in, like, a group, I've kind of, like, started trying to take it as a compliment in many ways, Right? Like, in, honestly, like, you know, jokes at my expense in a group of people who I know would never actually be trying to, like, actively harm Hurt you, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Should yeah. actually be looked at as kind of endearing. So yeah, it, totally. it's a comment it, on how close like that person is to tell you. you like, That's exactly what asshole. I'm saying. No, but exactly that, right? They, yeah, I think yeah. that's good because there can be a way that something's endearing and a little hurtful. Yes, but but, they, they, but it's also it, like yeah. it's not just that they're like – they number one, they could be exaggerating something good about you. Right, they could be saying something real that's actually just an extension of some, of some portion of yourself, but that tells you that they're paying enough attention to you to know you that well, right? The yeah, other yeah, thing is that right. it shows that's you like that, a really they're, good that they're yeah. like comfortable enough with you that they feel like they can say something like that, right? And then on top of that, like particularly if you're like making jokes one on one to between two friends is different than being in a group i think at least for me sometimes because like it took me a while to get used to like if you're in a group and you're like the center of a joke 
it took me a while to realize that that's like a really good thing. That means that you're like a center of like a social group in a certain way. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like only when you're not like a 15 year old, on like you know a football field, yeah. Does it like, like yeah? Do you know what I mean? Terrified of being rejected. Yeah, yeah. By being your peers. rejected by everybody. But like, if I'm in a group of, if I'm if I'm with Chapman and Johnny, right? While we were in yeah. and Chapman and Johnny, or you and Johnny, are making jokes about me. Like when you guys were roasting me while I was at the music festival, I love that. That yeah. actually felt. Yeah. I actually felt like these are my homies, man. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so I think that that's like a real thing. I think that the socials, like the the way that humor works in society and humor made at your own expense by others may actually be more of a term of endearment than we think it to be on so many instances. You know what I mean? The problem, uh, I would think, uh, the one thing that's coming to my mind is like, it's horrible, but you know, like cyberbullying. Oh my God. (laughs) See, that's so different. Or like, or just like clicky shit in high school where like, but that's why I said that that's different than like us being 25. Like, you know, being when you're 15. Yeah, but I think you can be bullied. You know, you can probably be bullied at any age though. Like, I don't think that's just, and I was also, all I'm getting at is that I was trying to draw this. I actually was trying to draw that distinction. Like if you're in a group of people who you know are not trying to hurt you, was like my initial statement, right? Yeah. So I yeah. definitely oh, think no, that there no, is a you, difference. No, no, you. I totally it, think right? what, what you're describing is a thing that's for real. Yeah. I'm okay. trying to think of like, okay, so what's that versus um, like a group of people that you can be like understood to be in the nexus of that people, but only by way of being bullied, even though like presumably humor is what's being used to bully you. Do you know what I mean? I absolutely know what you mean. Um, and I don't, I don't know exactly how to square that right away, except for the fact that that's not like it's, it's almost the guise of humor, or like if it's, 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 that's where it's actually malice and not humor. exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. Humor, sure. I think humor, humor can be in the same ways that like we've just, we've just been talking about how like humor can cause pain in ways that are helpful. It can also just cause pain, D- yeah, right? Because sure. it's like, like when humor is pointed, it's like. Uh, in the same ways that like humor can be used to sort of wrest power back from from you know the structures the the powers that be, yeah. it, it can yeah. be used in a in a very similar way to target specific people or groups of people in ways that are very harmful. For sure, right? I think I guess like um, it it's just like a primitive use of humor then in that way the way that we're talking about how like superiority theory there was just a time where people just thought humor was malicious and mm-hmm. it was nothing more that. Doesn't mean that, like, you know, just because we reject that theory doesn't mean that humor can be used for. Right, I think it it is at least uh, partial truth. Yeah, I mean, but it's also that like humor is an object, and I can either like give you the object as a gift, or I can beat you to death with the object. Right, like, (laughs) do you know what I mean? It's like a very like I'm just saying that it's like it's like as an artifice. Yeah, it's not like there's it's not like it's always a good thing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, just like like any other tool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like any I guess tool. you just have to you have to assess the ways in which people are using the tool. Yeah. Right. You know, like um, if you're in a situation, it can be difficult to realize if something, you know, there are certain situations where it'll be difficult to recognize if like humor is being used maliciously or lovingly. Um, but there are also really clean cut cases. Yeah, for sure. And it does take a little, you know, I like to veer into that territory in terms of like um, – I like to see I like when jokes I like when jokes are made about me in like grayer territories because I want to see how like 
want to test my Ooh, limits. Yeah, exactly. Like, what are my boundaries? You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, like, it. yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I like, those are the boundaries I like to toy with where like, how much can I like withstand people making fun of Johnny me? Johnny pushing before? it to the limit. Like, pushing it jokes to, made about him go. in public places. Like, <laughs> John, I can just imagine you like in Venice, like being made fun of in Italian by like a bunch of people drinking limoncello. Hey, and you're like, prego, yeah, I love prego, it. Prego, prego, limoncello. Prego, prego. I think it's mostly I think mostly this comes out just me making fun of myself, like me like realizing how ridiculous I'm being trying to buy this girl limoncello didn't work out. Was not smooth enough to rectify the situation. There was this time in Venice, there was this beautiful girl at the bar, and I tried to buy her a limoncello, and then the guy just thought I wanted a limoncello. Oh, that's awesome. And so like within earshot of this girl, he's like, and for the Mr. Limoncello. <laughs> And I'm just oh, like, and I'm just sitting there like, destroyed. <laughs> and I'm just like, I can't like, I, I think a smoother person probably could have been like, hey girl, this was made for you. But me, I'm just like, I, I can't rescue this. Like, I, I've ruined myself. For the limoncello, for the homosexual. For the lonely boy who has no one and can get no one. He is alone in the club. Yeah, exactly. Very funny. So, uh, yeah, anyway, Venice was a shit show. Venice was the real joke. Let's yeah. be real. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing like getting limoncello in a sewer. <laughs> <laughs> Venice makes you realize you like, like the how, the, how play can happen. In the early morning, right? While it's really hot. Yeah, Venice is the city for you. Do you like yeah. a city that constantly smells like a fishery? You know, like... Oh, my God. No, no. Seriously. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. It's I guess humor, at the end of the day, is pretty tough, like, to crack, but... Uh, yeah, I feel like we, we always we, have I these really we... long discussions and never have, a, like, a stance at the end. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One of these days, we I'll gotta do, real, like, though, a really hard would... point-counterpoint, even if we don't actually <laughs> give a shit. Yeah, we need to just start giving It would be ridiculous to be like, guys, we solved humor. Listen to <laughs> yeah. the Codex <laughs> West podcast. Go home. <laughs> I don't know. We're pretty Go smart. On. We've seen all three seasons of Rick and Morty. <laughs> Talk about funny. <coughs> oh, my God. Talk about funny. I was coughing. Oh, my God. Uh, Jesus we're Christ. Still we're not laughing. We're just coughing. It's horrifying. Humor makes you sick. <coughs> anyway. Okay. So, you guys. I think we close this down before we all yeah, die. We should just give our recommendations. Uh, recommendations. Yeah, let's do our, our recies. Little rec- recommendaciani. That's not a word. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, who wants to go? Who wants to go first today? Um, I can go. Yeah, go for I, it. Uh, um, <clears throat> I got two because you know. Ben. Yeah. You know I have two. Um, the Meyerowitz stories on Netflix. Oh, so, so good. good. So good. So good. Um, it's the new mo- movie by Noah Baumbach. Um, it's it's hilarious, but also like compelling. Um, it's about like a sculptor who's the patriarch of his family and he's sort of he's like kind of a failed sculptor um, and that like he wasn't like ended up becoming famous or widely respected but um, uh, he kind of like lashes out at his children because of this and they all have their own like you know problems because of the way their father treated them but it's also just really funny and it makes you think about um, what like 
success could even mean like what the possibility of specifically artistic success yeah. is um uh i would definitely recommend it it's just it's also I mean, it's just also just fucking hilarious it, yeah it's, it's, just super, funny. it's like super touching to be, like, ridiculous oh yeah and adam, adam sandler is really good such a good dramatic act i mean like um punch drunk love spanglish like, yeah. <laughs> jack and jill counterpoint point counterpoint no but uh, i mean have you seen grown-ups <laughs> Through oh seven, he's good. I could watch Justin Hoffman play this character all day, though. I didn't want yeah. the movie the end, Everybody, and I don't think the director amazing. wanted it to end either. But um, so I'd recommend that. That's on Netflix. Well, that's and a, then some um, true to life shit right there. I would also. I also want to recommend. I wouldn't. I wasn't. You know, like expecting a lot, but um, I read. My sister loves um, John Green. And I read, so his, he just came out with a book called Turtles All the Way Down. And I just wanted to do something with her. So I was like, why don't we read this book together? It's actually really good. Like, um, it's about this girl who has OCD. And at first you think it's sort of like charming, but um, it ends up becoming really debilitating in a way like I wasn't expecting from a young adult novel. Like, it's very... Um, it has this kind of the book has a sympathy to like young people's problems in a way that like you you under like this is sort of like the spiel people give about young adult books all the time but like this was like about a serious disability mm-hmm. that was it's like a um it's a psychological disability so it, it like works really well you know there's one you know if you're going to talk about like fault in our stars right it's like people with cancer like that's not like psychological um this is like at the level of psychology so it's like easily put into text and so it's a lot like scarier territory for a young reader because it's something it's like a a put like a psychological pathology they can adopt right so there's almost a bravery in like writing a book for this audience that is like this scare like psychologically scary you know mm-hmm. um and it's done so tastefully like, it's this beautiful story. The love story in it, like, ends in a way that's, like, true to life and not fairy tale esque um, It's a wonderful book. It has a lot of great themes in it. Too. It's just, like, I was so surprised by it. I wasn't expecting it to be good. But anyway, I would recommend that. It just came out, I think, nice. like, you know, last week. So that's what I got to say. Glad cool. you think you're so much better than us that you get two recommendations. Yeah, um, Jesus. You can have yeah. three. Take all the recommendations you want. <laughs> I recommend you shut the fuck up, <laughs> yeah. Marco. <laughs> so um i actually so i had kept i kept recommending movies and tv and i realized that and i was kind of thinking about it and i forgot that i had come across this great record in august it came out in august uh august like 25th of uh this year uh it's by this electronic musician called pessimist right and it's like i guess that it's you would kind of call it fundamentally a drum and bass record but it's it's really drawing a whole lot on some of that um some of that big in your face rave techno that you hear coming out of people like Paul. So like new new school, not like Amon Tobin. No, 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 no. Not like Amon Tobin. It is it's more new school. It's got a lot of the the way the sound design works, it reminds me a whole lot of Paula Temple and Untold 
and kind of that those big rolling yeah gritty rhythms to, right you're gonna have to send me a link to this oh it's it's good i really yeah i really like it um it's it's a really good record it's a little bit like it's a little bit traditional in its structure like you know it's a standard drum and bass uh drum and bass tracks at certain points like um uh in their structure but the overall um uh, atmosphere the vibe the oeuvre whatever you want to call it of the whole record is fantastic and it's super consistent you can listen to the whole record through and it sounds like you're listening to the same record in the same room yeah you, you, like you know what i mean yeah, uh, yeah every totally song seems seen. to be in the same space um and under the same conditions and i had also gone back and listened to some of his other stuff which i would recommend but this most recent record called it's self-titled it's just called pessimist uh, it came out in August on Blackest Ever Black, and it's very good. And then he came out with a, an EP in February of this year called Pagans. That's also very good, which is more like a traditional techno EP. And I like that one a lot because I'm a big techno head, but um, I also really get down with some drum and bass. So that most recent drum and bass record by Pessimist is fantastic. Dope. Yeah. Um, I was originally going to have an album recommendation for this week but like something that i've uh i've been like thinking about a lot and especially with this like the philosophy segment being kind of our like um you know self-improvement segment um like improving people's lives in a way the i moved in here in i think early or mid april um and it's now october when i got here the bottle of dawn dish soap that we had was maybe three quarters full (laughs) there's still a quarter left (laughs) And it fucking goes. It's a good dish soap. So what I'm going to recommend to the viewers, go to Walmart today, get yourself a 28 fluid ounce bottle of Dawn Platinum dish soap. It's the goat. Oh god. my god. That was great. Beautiful. Wow. That was, it was masterful. Yeah, really incredible, dude. But for real, but for real, awesome. don't do it's, so. it's 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 no no no. It's Johnny can attest. It's been here no, since I got yeah, here, and it's real. still fucking good. Get it at your it's I like, think yeah, I get it at your local like, store. You know, it's made by Procter sure and Gamble. Like it's so, all so yeah. Twenty eight fluid ounce Dawn Platinum. <laughs> Go buy yours today. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. <laughs> And uh, we don't get sponsors. Yeah, that was no, no, no. We were not paid for that. That Yeah, that was real. (laughs) They could take money for us mentioning their names, and I'd still recommend it. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's all we got for today, though. Um, So uh, we will we will see you next week, hopefully on a on a normalized schedule. We've been a little fucky for the last couple of weeks between illnesses and travel and all kinds of crazy stuff going on, but uh, hopefully things are settling down here in the the coming weeks, so um, uh, in any event, we will uh, see you next time. Yep.